0: Welcome to another episode of the Sales Influencer Series, where we interview the best and brightest minds in B2B sales, sales operations, sales leadership, and we try to focus the series on talking to operators, people who are in the field, who are running sales teams, who are doing innovative things and working for companies that are are really on the cutting edge. Bringing on a guy who who I'm really excited to chat with, Uh, we've actually... He's successfully sold into us before. First of all, inside sales team, their VP of sales, Brian. Welcome to the sales influencer series. Yeah, thank you for having me. My pleasure, man. And uh, I love that your LinkedIn bio, by the way, leads off with uh, uh,
1: promoting your your skills as, as an elementary school fundraiser.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, you know what, though, it's like it's not made up. I promise. Um, so my, my father specifically, you know, raised me and taught me to like, you know, earn your keep. Right. And so that year it was, uh, the most I sold was like cookie dough, like cookie tubs of cookie dough. And it was grossly overpriced, right? It was like $19 for a tub of cookie dough. And if I sold if I sold the most in the school, I got a free class ring. And so my dad was like, I'm not buying it, not paying for it. You can sell cookie dough. And I did. And I got a free class ring. And so, uh, you know, it, that was like my first, like, real monetary achievement. Um, you now there's a little stuff in elementary school for sure where there was like, you win like a toy, some of that, but class rings aren't cheap. In high school it was great to, to like sell and then see what can, the high ceiling of selling. Um, how I got out here, I went to I went to college out here. Um, and I went to school for education. And I think that's why I love like, running like our sales floor here. It's part, of, And I can get into that later about the education part, but. Uh, Honestly, I was substitute teaching, and I was working a shift around like a day. It was like eight to you know eight to three, three thirty. Uh, but I was like, I still have like time to like work more. I'm not afraid of working, and so I actually got a job in a really bad part of town in Buffalo, doing appointment setting for a window company. And what that place taught me is, it's like I owe a lot to that place. Uh, a place that had no hot water in the back room. The place that people smoked at their desk. <laughs> um, but I learned the people there were like, they cared about you uh, and you learned so much. And and one thing is like, yeah, the office setting wasn't that great. And I'm blessed to be in an office like this today, but it gives you like a perspective and appreciation for like where I am today and, and what I have and my paychecks and all that. So I, th- I think that where I got started in sales, is a very like a humble beginning, working hard, calling out of phone books, you know, uh, 30 calls out of a phone book an hour start. And then as I kept, you know, I could say myself, like, you know, my, my life, I saw them as promotions, even though they were different companies. Each one offered me more. And it was like that appreciation, like, keeps me going. And it's like, why I've been here for five years, you know, being a sales development head. Now it's been probably three and a half, four years when I was promoted. It's a long time for like a sales development head. And the reason why is I love it. I like it here. I love coaching. I like the reward of seeing someone from a college graduate to making 75 grand. Like that is all part of the excitement for me. And that's why I have no plans on moving.
0: That's fascinating, man. You're the you're actually the second or third guy I've talked to you on this, this series that started out in education and yeah. uh, really, really just naturally, you know, migrated into sales. And it the more, the more I talk to people like you, it, the people seem to do extremely well, it's like that mentality, like you mentioned, um, of wanting to coach and wanting to genuinely help people both well now in, in sales and then sales management. So can you get into, like, inside sales, team, you know, kind yeah. of, had this prior background and you got with the company early and then you you transitioned to another company, you came back. So tell people about your your recent uh, experiences with those two companies.
1: Yeah so I joined Inside Sales Team in August 2013 and it's a funny story. Um I, I started there and you know Inside Sales Team is a great place to work for a salesperson because there's unlimited commissions and that's exciting but when your son is due, my first son and my only son right now, this is back in 2013, was due on September 1st and I was starting a job with less base salary three weeks before his birth. A lot of people, a lot of people said to me, like, it's kind of selfish, you're crazy. <laughs> um, because, you know, my last job, I was, I was steady, I was sturdy. It was a good job, it was safe, but I went backwards, you know, a thousand and thousand dollars in base pay to start here. Um, But, you know, it's motivating, right? Like you you look at your yearly total and you're like, well, I got to make up X per month in base. And on top of that, I I came here to make more money, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that was motivation. So when I started here, I hit quota every single month for what's called like 15 months before being promoted. But at that time, you know, in 2013, it was a lot more just phone. It was phone and and phone was 95% of it and writing personal emails randomly on GoDaddy or something like that was part of my job, but uh, it was fun. And what that did for me is it it gives you more fast, faster than anything else. And so very quickly, I went from someone who's never been a sales development rep, but then I'm having, I'm putting out 250 calls a day, and I'm having 30 conversations, 35 conversations. Well, there's no better way to like learn fast than that setting. And so real quickly, I went from you know 250 calls. A month a day and then month four it was 130 calls and then by you know 12 months in I could have 40 calls But they were all so many good calls because they were callbacks from six months ago a year ago I've got the preparation to someone says hey I need better data or better leads because I have certain numbers to hit in front of a board and so through all that effort I was a part of a team that's still here called discover org and I work very close to with Henry Schuck and their CRO Pat Purvis and their VP of sales Steve Briarton and they're all still friends today and I went to their SKO just a month ago in February and um, I think being in that space of like selling to salespeople was like, really healthy for me. Like I'm meeting, it's like acting in front of an actor, right? It's, it's painting in front of a painter. So I got a lot of like, man, you have no idea what you're doing, you should pick a different life for You know, And like, because they're salespeople, like they, they teach other people how to cold call and uh, it was just a great setting for me to call into to and learn from them.
0: Yeah, and it's a I mean amazing company, Discover Work, who we we just partnered with from our SaaSness, and then we are yeah. actually about to launch an ebook with that's amazing too. An amazing team over there. So yeah, I mean, like you said, the selling to salespeople, you know, it's that that's the best the best training you got with a great company. Why did you choose them specifically? What was the draw for you?
1: Well. Uh- I don't know if I choose them or if my CEO choose me to work with them here at inside sales team. Um, oh, yeah. So, so, you know, what it looked like first was, uh, I interviewed with our CEO here, Steve Hayes, who I have a lot to, and he wanted me to work on uh, with a mainframe company, an amazing company, but I was going from selling coffee door to door. That was my fast job, last job, um, to selling into complex enterprise mainframe companies and selling into it. I was honestly nervous and scared. And so Steve flies out to Portland and he calls me back three weeks later and I said, I ha-, he tells me I have the job for you to join our company here at Inside Sales Team. I was like, sure, I'm listening. You know, I wasn't expecting much. And he tells me about Org and selling leads and data and intelligence and the best in the world to other salespeople. And I was there on Tuesday, next Tuesday. So that was it. So uh, I think, you know, really Discover Oregon chose Inside Sales Team and then Steve chose me to kind of start that program with him. So I've been, I've been in that sales team straight for five years, but I've actually still, I still manage the sales development team directly with their VP of sales there at Discover Work. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. And
0: but now you're just your title is just VP of sales. Yeah, um, but
1: I, like I know technically I'm responsible for 20 teams, but I obviously, with my relationship with them at Discover Work, I'm very close to them still. So I kind of directly manage that. I've got two team leads as well to help me out to do that.
0: I guess. So how do you scale? So as you have like, how do you scale as in terms of managing a growing number of people
1: and handling all that. Yeah, it's extremely challenging. Uh, And it is like, and I I challenge anyone to think about their job split up in different ways. Scaling is one thing. Scaling is difficult and hard. Like uh, I've scaled other places before and not always been a big part of it, but I've been a, a part of it. But now imagine scaling because, but you have 20, we have 25 different clients here, about 50 SDRs. But I personally need to know to train and coach people on, 25 different products, right?
0: I have like, no idea how you do it. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm not great at all of them, to be honest. I try my best and I, and honestly, we have like 12 to 13 team leads here. They're like sales managers, someone you know, like on your team very closely, Andy Dewey. Like I could never do my job without them. Like they help, like I can, I can teach sales development and I can teach when to call next and that stuff. And I try my best to learn 25 products, but Andy Dewey and your team knows more about ambition on the back of his hand than I do in my entire body. So like those guys are like kind of like the liaison from product info back to me for like the coaching and and that stuff, but it's hard and like, you know, and, but it's a challenge. And I think good leaders not feel good leaders in general should appreciate a challenge every day to come into work.
0: Yeah. And so let's, let's dive into, let's go deeper into the unique challenges. I remember when we got you guys, I I met Dewey and and Luke for the first time. And I remember asking Dewey, so wait, so you were selling You've sold outreach, you've you're selling um oh, what's her name? you're selling node and like just you, you know how to target all these different markets, you've learned all that. And that was literally your job. Now you're coming in here, a different model, you know, adjusting and like a different, you know, market we're selling into a little bit. Like the what is that like, I guess, in terms of like knowledge sharing and like relying on each other and trust each other to be able to do that. that's such a challenge. That's, that's high level. I mean, high degree difficult right there. Right.
1: Yeah, no, it, it totally is. And, and honestly, it, it, it's, it's actually like a bunch of, it's most of it is just like memory and timing of things. And so like, for instance, the number one component of this company, we're a services company, it's people. Um, you know, if someone ever wanted to analyze our worth as a company, it would probably come down to what, if certain people were to stay or leave, it matters a lot here. Like the people define the projects there. We have good processes. We have a great tech stack with ambition and you know, we have outreach and we have discover org and we have navigator, but it's all about the person. So what we try to do is like with these rotations and shifts of projects, right? Andy Dewey has been here for two and a half years, but has been on four different projects. So how does he just hop onto ambition and start doing 20, 25 a month? Right. It's honestly what I try to do is I meet with people a lot. And that when we transition, we meet a lot. And the easiest thing I can say we do is to say, can this person convey this value in a short time? And so when Andy, he had he did well in all with his past projects, but he can, he's very good at describing something in short time. And I, I think gamification in general is, is a necessity, especially in the sales development world. But there are a lot of people that maybe don't, which is, I think, wrong. And I also believe that to convey the, like, how aesthetically pleasing and beautiful ambition is through a phone. It takes someone really talented. So I thought about Dewey' past projects, I like explaining this quickly, explaining that quickly and showing value quickly, because I think for ambition, it is about like, here's the thing. like for the cost of one-fourth of a salesperson, you can motivate all of them to be five, 10, 15 percent better. It's a no-brainer. And so having that value the quick, the precision, that meant a lot to me. So when we put Dewey on to ambition, that's what I thought. But it's the same for anyone here like projects are usually year in length so when a year ends like what do we do how do we train someone quick enough to get back to speed quickly because a, a client like you you don't want to wait three months for, for performance you're not paying for that you know so there's less we have to be like quicker with uh, scaling up quicker with ramp time uh it's challenging though it's a lot of like memory like what did they do successfully in the past not just the last month but like a year ago or two years ago honing in on that a little bit more researching it more we've got data course for salesforce and then making that right call
0: and I love. I think what fascinates me the most about you guys is you're almost the you're the opposite of the tra- traditional internal SCR who is coming in usually green and is like learning on the job. You guys are like Navy SEALs. And the other thing too, what you're they're selling not only to first we're selling like our product and they're selling it to us. You know, here's the value we're bringing you. You know, we're, we're accomplishing the goals you set for us. You know, from a, so, like, talk about, I really been interested in hearing, like, how you keep, keep people sane and then keep people, <laughs> you know, focused on,
1: on where to prioritize and,
0: and, like, all that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, um, a gentleman who's still here who's a very close friend of mine. Uh, last year, we made him, <laughs> uh, his exact title is Chief Fun Officer. <laughs> but I would, uh, good, good title, great title. And I would actually say he's more, even more important than the title. I think he, I would say he's head of culture here. And so, um, part of people saying is number one, um, knowing that this job is hard, Mm -hmm. knowing that the value of the job is insane, but it's really difficult. So Alan and I, you know, we, we, every month, we meet once a week to go over, like, how can we motivate the floor this week? So it's this week. And then part of the conversation, like what, what is a contest or, you know, being salespeople about recognition, it's about money. It's about having fun, competition. So we think about competitions to introduce to the floor. Um, so that, That's part of it, Um, but I think the other part of, honestly, and again, there are probably a lot of people that think I am insane for saying this, but my desk is completely facing and open to about 70 desks right now. We've got about 50, 55 of them filled. I'm completely accessible all day long. And so sometimes people just want to talk. Mm -hmm. It's it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing the same thing as last month, and I'm at zero percent to goal, and it's day 10. So I'm in a conference room right now. This isn't my office. My office is a table right in the dugout bullpen right out here. Um, so I don't know. I, I've always thought that just being a human being, no matter where you are in a company and listening to people to keep people saying this and not always having to tell them to stay on the phone. Like I believe that talking to someone for 30 minutes to give them a clear head to get back on the phone is much more valuable than me just saying, get back on the phones.
0: Yeah, and I I want to, like, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but, I mean, you guys, want like, some of these you've done, you ran this amazing March Madness sales contest. Like, yeah. Which, not only did you do that, but you publicized, like, the results, like, what was happening with it, which, I think, added to it. Your SDR huddle, the content initiative you guys have created, have, like, a recognition opportunity and chance for, like, the guys to, like, do you to share their story, which, do. Yeah. Do these posts really touched me, by the way. Like those things and then the transparency and accessibility, and like you're doing all this competition too, and you're in this high-stress environment, but you have a camaraderie and a team, team vibe underneath all of it.
1: Very fair statement. Um, I don't think we've ever been a company that's been handcuffed for someone based on performance who's a, a bad hit to culture. Yeah. Um, and so some people, and there are many people, many listeners may say it's like, that's crazy. You should never let go of your top salesperson. You should never, should cater to them. You should never have them work nights or weekends. And some people can balance it all and keep it all kosher. But I mean, sometimes there's, there's definitely like great performers that are, I don't know, culture hits, culture hacks. I don't know what you want to call it, but I think right here my main priority is, is to make everyone feel comfortable to come in all day long to do one of the hardest jobs in my opinion in the world. And so, yeah, a Huddle is a way for if someone wants to express themselves more publicly and get recognition in the world of LinkedIn, they can do that. Anyone who wants to write something can do it here. Um, you know, ambition, again, and this is not because I'm speaking with you, but like, what other job in the world is when you do something well, it plays your favorite song in front of 50 people? <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. Like, when I got a kid to like pass an assessment test in school, like, there was no horns playing and saying like, great job for doing your job. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and we got a good location here, we're down by the water in Buffalo, we moved offices in April, so there's a lot of things and um, I, if the company ever shifted something beyond where the people are the focal point of this company and success, then I, I wouldn't be here either. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you hit a spot on. Yeah, man. Uh,
0: like, one, one question I want to ask you two real quick is, um, it was great LinkedIn post, some, some posts I believe, I think right, Mark Bodnick. And point out, you know, most sales managers spend more time looking at their dashboards than talking to their people. Yeah. And um, you know, you guys are, are very metric driven. You know, I said you know, not the numbers, but it is for you guys. Yeah. So, what is your? I mean, you know, ambition. I know it's part of it, but it's beyond that. Like, how? What's the solution for? For like, how how can you convince people to to let go of the dashboard and come out and meet, meet their reps face to face. What's that brought you guys and, and how do you defeat that as a as manager?
1: Yeah, I think part of this time management. So one thing I had to do to teach myself is, is usually, unfortunately from 5.30 to 6. Like that's my data time. Mm-hmm. And so most people are gone. I have less distraction. And so if someone has to clean like, a quiet office and they have the time and they, they're like, I don't make mistakes. Good but then also you might, again, you just told me you're in a quiet office during the workday doing data. And so I think also it's a challenge themselves being out on the floor as much as they can during the core of their of their salespeople's day. I mean, for us, it's eight to five. I don't do any data work in eight to five. Of course, so my CEO says to yeah, me, I need something, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little data work during the day. And I think everyone has that too, like a uh, pressure conversation comes up from your board and you needs things prepared. I, I, get, I get all that. So I would really challenge yourself to say like, is there work that you're doing during the course of a day when you're still people are on the phones grinding and you're just sitting behind an Excel sheet or data or a dashboard? I would challenge you to like push that towards a time when people aren't there. Take 50 minutes out of your own personal lunch a day and do it then. I mean, I mean, okay, you're lunchtime, but people are dependent. It's like you're, you're supposed to be a leader, right? And so a leader would be there for the people during the workday and help and coach. A leader would put data to a point when people aren't here. Yeah. Am yeah. I perfect? Heck no. I try though. I'm trying my best for that. And I think, you know, as long as you're trying and you're making positive slight changes every day, I think that means something. Gotcha, man.
0: I love it. And so I think we, let's, let's get down to about two, two final questions here. So, some of hiring, and I want to know, I mean, hiring for your, your team, what do you look for? What's the process? And like, what's the onboarding process then? Like, once you bring something
1: yeah uh so the first uh, the two parts so the first part is we do hire a lot of uh college graduates so that's part of it and what i look for is very simple um other than standard interview stuff that you probably heard before three levels of interviewing um a cognitive ability test and that stuff is like normal the one thing i would tell anyone to look out for on a resume is when they were in college what did they do and so i have I don't have a ton of data on it, I have some data on it that says you should be looking for people that did beyond just the normal 15-credit coursework every semester. You want to find people that are like, oh, he was VP of his fraternity, she was head of a sorority, and she did a work study, and he worked nights as a bartender, and he maintained a 3-5 Like Those people who are able to manage a lot of things and stay focused and targeted and obviously they're doing those things because they want to stay busy and make money are like the best SDRs you can find.
0: That's great. Um, love, Yeah, that's, that's a great specific answer right there. Actually, that's
1: I love it. So you okay? Cool. So that's that definitely I think that's the first part, right? And so you right. probably think you, people are listening, and they may say, "Well, I was only I was really focused on my yeah. It's not perfect, but if you're unsure, it, it's never too bad to focus on your, your education and get a four zero either. Obviously, um, the second the second part is is honestly, it's more about the conversations you have. So we get a lot of people here that are either in the middle or towards the end of their sales career. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just about like what their motivations are still at this point in their life. And so it's, it's nothing like I, I never have found an answer on a resume for someone who has sales experience that comes inside sales team. It's more like, well, why do you want to be here today? And when I look at your resume, you know, you were a director of sales this or a head of region this, why are you coming back here to do sales somewhere? And, and that answer is pretty telling. And usually if the answer is something like, I missed uh, the best answers I hear are like, I missed the fast paced environment of when I did it. it. was called appointment setting, right? Like that kind of answer, like someone coming back to the love of the game. Because the pace of SDR work is like unbeatable. Like yeah. it is like when I was in SDR, it's almost drug like, right? You come in all day, you're making phone calls, you're getting told no, F off, yes, this. It's, it's, it's an incredible high to be in SDR every day.
0: Yeah. But for love of the game, like you said. For love I mean, of the game. Yeah. You know, the boil, the boiler rooms call you back and uh, my, uh, yeah, I mean, that's every guy, everyone I've talked to, I've, I've my, my brother and my dad. Like that's like, that's exactly the same thing to too. Um, cool. We're, we're running out of time a little bit. So let's, can you tell people more, I guess I want to, I wish we spent more time talking about inside sales. So can you tell people like what is going on over there? What you guys are like, what kinds of crazy value you guys are bringing to people and just like the companies you're working with, I can bookend that with, with our experience with you guys too.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So inside sales team, um, you know, we're, we're a very special company because what you're getting with us is basically if you have people working for your company. I think some companies in our space, um, nothing negative about them, but you're getting a lot more of like a portfolio approach. So you're getting a targeted goal and companies are doing whatever they can to get to that. So you might, So you might say to me, I want 50 meetings but you don't really know how the sausage is being made, right? right? So you're getting a sausage, and maybe the sausage is of good quality or bad quality, I don't know, depending on the company. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it matters, though, like, to know, like, every day you have two people that come in here and represent your company and brand for nine hours a day. And they're not focused on anyone else's product, like, they are here for ambition. Mm-hmm. I think that matters. I think that really does matter. Um, and so that, that's definitely part of, you know, what I think we offer and a great thing we offer. The other one is, uh, I might get like an apple thrown off my head by the CEO in like the background, but I would say the one thing that I've learned here is, if you actually don't have an SDR team yet, I actually wouldn't call us. Mm, um, nice. The best settings are you have an SDR team, and there's two. You either have a, you even have SDR team and you're having trouble recruiting or ramping up. That's one. The other one is you have a rec- you have a team internally that's like senior in sales development, so they're like 18 months in, 24 months in. Yeah. And they're they're able to make twenty calls a day, ten calls a day is still at quota. So you're looking for a way to motivate them. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to lose to an outsourced SDR, I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I mean honestly, the best bits for us, and I'll tell you why, is companies with SDR teams. So number one, it's we're a partner. It's and it's competitive and fun in nature. But like one of my closest friends professionally, and even when we're in person, is the head of sales development for Discover Work, is Jake. Mm-hmm. So part of that is like great competitive creating competition beyond your company. But number two is like sharing best practices as well. And so if we find an email that's got a great response rate, oh my God, we've crafted this cold SDR email that gets a 12% reply rate. Mm-hmm. Of course we're gonna share that with you, right? Like why? we're not, <laughs> that is no good for you to be unhappy. We need you to hit revenue goals so you keep hiring us again. So we're gonna help you out the best way we can. But yeah, I mean the best bit SDR company, uh companies that have SDR teams that want more out of their SDR teams or want more SDR teams.
0: I love it, man. I love that that second use case it just makes makes so much sense. And we uh, we've had our own, like with Dewey and with Luke here. It's been even today. I had I, I really had like six companies I flipped to Luke because I like needed somebody to follow up with them. Yeah. And um, we had all our AEs. We were a very small sales team here, even though we're we're like growing growing like crazy. So they filled they filled an incredibly important gap. And they at this point. I'm as comfortable with them sit like selling us and understanding our value as, as anybody. And um, it's it's just interesting to see. It's it's nice to know sometimes that you've got guys who you can trust and who like yeah. you can you almost a little bit of detachment to, even. Um, you don't feel you're not like for me as a marketing director, it's interesting to talk to them and get feedback and just like just get to know, get their perspective on things about they're not, not managing them or anything like that, man. So highly recommend. I uh, I love you guys. I love the whole the whole concept, uh the mercenary the, the mercenary badass of sales. Um, yeah.
1: Well thank you. Know. And and the truth is though is like, you know, sometimes sometimes stereotypes are like built off some truth and like the initial impression that we get from most people is, oh, you're an outsourced sales development agency. Like, that's the response. Because a lot of times companies aren't like are not reputable in, in keeping your brand safe and Mm-hmm. I like, i mean i'm not no, I'm not calling any competitors It's not about probably even people that are still around today, but I mean, what does it take to start your own sales development agency? Ten thousand dollars, you buy a couple of desktops, you find one good customer and you buy leads for pretty cheap there you go i mean it's one of those companies where unfortunately like yeah there there's you don't need a ton of legitimacy to start it up for that way yeah, so that's why like we encourage people to come here, like come to our office, come here, like meet meet our management team, <laughs> meet our people. Sit down next to any of our SDRs; like you'll be blown away by the people we have here. 100, percent man,
0: you nailed it. I love it. Like bill and trust and uh, referrals, like for for you guys. Like you know, that's how we found you guys. That's what we give you guys going forward for sure, too. So, Brian Vital, thanks so much, man, for coming on. Can you tell people how to contact you? Where to start reading the SDR Huddle, which has an amazing variety of content, by the way.
1: Thank
0: and you. Um, how do you can touch with incentives?
1: Yeah, honestly, it feels like more and more the simplest way to get hold of anyone is you can just find me on LinkedIn. That's easy enough. Um, if you're more of an email person, uh, it's just my first initial B, vital, D as in Victor I T A L at InsideSalesTeam.com. And you know, if you're unsure of like outsourcing anything, like I think if if I had started the company before being here, I think I would be skeptical skeptical about outsourcing anything in my company: software development, finances, sales development. Honestly, it's just starts with a conversation. And like a lot of the conversations we have is after 15 minutes. It's like, you know, no problem. We'll shake hands and part ways and it's not the right fit. But I'd be happy to start the conversation with anyone out there. Absolutely. Well, sounds good.
0: Everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of the Sales Influencer Series. Brian Vital, phenomenal interview. We're going to have to do some content to you guys get to soon. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming right. on. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.